Hey, welcome to All Glowed Up, Glow Up 206. Thank you for being a friend. And on this episode, we're going to really get into friendships, um, how they evolve, kind of talking about them, especially like one of my favorite shows, The Golden Girls, and just how I'm going to unpack a lot of uh, these episodes because I'm going back and rewatching it because I got all the time now. Um, also talking about this episode, um, Dave Chappelle and his latest, I don't know if we can call it a stand-up or not, but he's definitely, uh, discussing a lot of relevant topics and I, you know, he's, he's much more than a comedian to me. And what's the latest in, oh, latest episode of Insecure, that season finale. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack there. So I'm going to touch on my thoughts on that and then, you know, wrap wrap back around to the latest on Rona news. Because as much as we like, you know, we it feels like we down with Rona, but Rona not down with us, guys. It's still here. So, yeah. So since we're talking about Rona a little bit, you know, during quarantine, I've been home a hell of a lot. And I've started to rewatch some of my favorites. And one of them is the Golden Girls. I fucking love the Golden Girls. And I've never watched it as an adult from, like, beginning to end. Like, watch the seasons in order. Like, I watch it on the Hallmark Channel whenever they have, like, a marathon. But they never play those episodes in order. So I started out season one, episode one, the pilot. And I started to notice a pattern after getting through these episodes. Right? Like, these niggas ain't shit even on the Golden Girls. Like, and I hate saying that term because, no, I don't believe all men aren't shit. I'm not a man basher. However, I think, especially, like, in the black community, we have this ideal that if we date outside of our race, we might be treated better. And I'm just here to say it's trash-ass niggas in every race. It just is. Like, the first pilot episode... Blanche meets, like, the man of her fucking dreams. He's whining and dining her. He's caring and sensitive and supportive, but still a strong, manly leader. And he got money. He's literally Prince fucking Charming, right? Right. So, they're having this whirlwind romance. And he, like, asks her to marry him after being together for, like, two weeks. And, you know, everybody got their reservations, especially Dorothy. Dorothy, like, this is too fast, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, as a friend, you're going to support it because you see this is making your friend fucking happy, right? Right. So they throw together a cute little ceremony at the house. And Blanche is done up with her, with her, you know, her 80s back out wedding dress with the shoulders. She's hitting them with the shoulders. She got the fucking back out, the lace. She looks beautiful, right? They waiting and they get a knock at the door. Guess who's at the fucking door? It's the dude from Designing Women. I don't remember his name on the show, but he's a fucking cop. He's basically telling Blanche, the nigga you thought he was, he ain't, okay? He literally is a a bigamist. He has, like, wives across several different states, and he scams them for their fucking money. And we've arrested them. Sorry, ma'am, you're not getting married today. Do you know how fucking humiliating that is? You got all your closest friends and family for a wedding and the police come pull up and be like, hey, this nigga down central bookings. What? 
And then, like, the subsequent episodes after that, oh, Stan pops up. And then I really did. I knew Stan had left Dorothy, but under the circumstances, he left Dorothy. Like, he didn't even tell Dorothy he was leaving her and moving on. He had a lawyer call Dorothy and be like, hey, bitch, I ain't never coming home. What? Wild shit right there. But it also reinforced how they always had each other. They always looked out for each other. They always showed up for each other. Even when bickering and, you know, they beefing or whatever. Like, you gonna have your ups and downs with your friends. But they always, at the end of the day, showed up and supported each other through the fuck shit. And I think that's so important, especially for women. Because we tend to, when we're in relationships, not take our friendships as, ser- as seriously, you know? We we put all our all into our romantic relationships and sometimes our personal friendships suffer and if nothing else your friends gonna be there when that nigga leave or when you leave him or when things don't work out they're gonna be there supporting you picking up the pieces so don't ever let those friendships you know dwindle because you're in a fucking relationship no your friends to me come first like i'm not saying put your friends over your relationship but i'm also saying hold it in as high regard as you hold a relationship because your friends and family want to be there even if that relationship doesn't work out now there's some extenuating circumstances where it could be conflicts between your partner and your friends and you need to deal with that in in a mature responsible way but never let your friendships go because you're in a relationship Nah, I just, I, if nothing else I've learned from Golden Girls is that they fuck with each other hard and they, they've all been dragged by men and they're always there for each other to help each other pick up the pieces. So that's where the thank you for being a friend is for, because you have to really thank your friends. They have like my friends show up for me. If I don't, if I haven't reached out and called, they on my ass. What's up? What's up with you? Why you ain't called? What's, what you got going on? It's like they, it's, it's like they know, like I've put out some type of beacon that something's going on and they know to show up for me. They know to pop up over my house. They know to call me. They know to send me, you know, send me some fucking memes or like they, they, they know me. So it's so important that your friends know you and that you are supportive and you show up for them and they show up for you. Because if you learn nothing else, that's what you're going to have at the end of the day. So bring, you know, that ties into like the next topic. Uh, I was having a conversation with one of my friends the other day. This is before Dave Chappelle like released 846. And we were talking and he was like, oh, you know, we need a solid voice for the black community because it's a lot of voices going on right now. And I was like, well, who do you think that should be? And without hesitation, he was like, oh, Dave Chappelle. And I was like, you know what? I was ready to have my rebuttal for whoever you said, but I don't have any any type of rebuttal for that. I honestly think if we have to pick a voice for the black community to, to be our uh, spokesperson, to, to carry out our ideas and articulate it well and has a great kind of um, point of view and worldview and a perspective... That would fucking wholeheartedly be Dave Chappelle without question. And 846 
just really reinforce that. And I know he probably doesn't want that role. And I feel like those make the great leaders, the people that don't feel like they're worthy or the person for the job. Like people who are hungry for leadership and want to rule or want to be in power and positions of power to dominate people. I don't think those are people that should be in leadership positions. They were in it for their ego. They were in it for to have power and dominance over other people. It's really people who have like servant leadership type Servant leadership personalities that need to be in those roles to lead people and guide people and and to unify people. And I really think Dave Chappelle can do that very, very well. Like, A46, it made me, I mean, it wasn't very, it wasn't a comedy special. It, It definitely wasn't that. I don't even know what to call it. But it definitely was very insightful. It made you think. And it was just the way he beautifully told that story and not only tied it in all of it together, but personally how it affected him and how he's personally related to the John Crawford situation and brought up Chris Dorner again to make people understand, like, if it's one of your own, you would ride for him. So why don't you think protesters are doing the same thing? So he has just a beautiful way of articulating things and making a full circle story that I feel like very few people can can do. And he has that kind of personality that he could probably change people's minds who aren't on the same side. Like he could reach across an owl and say, you know what, let me let me tell you this story and let me make it so relevant to you that you understand because a lot of people don't understand and it it baffles me that they don't understand but if you've never if you lived a completely separate life um you don't have any black friends or you don't have any black people that you know and you've only been fed things through social media and the, you know the media and tv and movies and you've never had your own personal interactions with black people, it does mold you. It does, you know, you only have a limited perspective and a limited view. And if you have somebody who can apply their experience and make you understand it, that's a beautiful thing. So I'm I'm sure he probably doesn't want to be the person for the job, but I can't think of a better person. I really honestly can't. I really can't think of anybody that would be better at it than Dave Chappelle because he has the personality for it. He has the intelligence for it. He has the the swag. He he just has it. And I really hope, you know, I don't know, maybe we can make this a thing. Like, you know, be all Al Sharpton. But I don't I don't even like saying that term because I don't want anybody to be Al Sharpton. Not even Al Sharpton at this point. I want Al Sharpton. I'm not taking away from what Al Sharpton has done. I just think his time in the movement, he needs to hand it over. He needs to kind of like step back and and listen to some other people. Like not saying he can't be useful to us, but I'm just saying Al Sharpton, your time as a forerunner in the in this movement is 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 over, bro. It's 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 over. Pass that torch to somebody else. I don't know who gave him the torch. I don't know. But yeah, definitely what Al Sharpton at. We appreciate you, bro. But uh, I think it's time to hang up your civil rights uh, boots, shoes, jersey. Can we call it? Maybe hang your civil rights jersey and, and pass it on. And, and definitely, yeah, get pass it on. Um, and next, I want to talk about Insecure. This season finale also goes to, to friendship. Also goes into showing up for your friends. Um, you know, Tiffany had a breakdown. And the episode, okay... Barring the Tiffany thing, I think that should probably have been another episode, not in this episode, because I think we should have had some more time to unpack 
the other areas of the show, like, you know, Lawrence and now Condola's pregnant, Lawrence and Issa, how they're going to play out that move to San Francisco, all those things kind of should have been more of a forefront. Oh, and like Molly and Andrew. I feel like that could have been a whole episode. And then Tiffany's breakdown could have been an entire episode. Um, so we could have had time to unpack that. One, let's talk about Tiffany. It was, it's been like little hints throughout the show that she was not taking motherhood very well. And then Derek has been stepping up and doing a fucking fantastic stand-up job. Um, I don't think he, you know, had a moment on a bus. I don't think he could have done anything uh, more than what he did. Uh, maybe, you know, make sure she was in therapy, but I don't know if he did that or not. But also, she would have to go. But it just also showed that even though they all were having their own personal things going on, like Molly was about to break up with Andrew. Well, Andrew was breaking up with Molly. And it was, okay, our friend needs us. Let us show the fuck up. And I appreciate that. I appreciate them highlighting postpartum depression because I've had that. So I, I really appreciate it. I just felt like it should have been its own kind of episode. And I really loved how they highlighted Derek because we don't see a lot of great black men treating black women well on TV. You just do not see it. You don't see that type of love and adoration. Um, and I think it's really important to to see it. Um, so we know that it, it it does exist. It's not a fairy tale. It, it, it exists. He shows up for her. He's supportive. He loves and adores that woman. And like, I saw some stuff online, like about how she was being, a, a, a dude made a post about how she was being so selfish and irresponsible and how he knew that life. And Derek was, you know, you know, he shouldn't have to go through this and this, that, and the other. And I, I was a little taken aback by it because that's not what you should get from that at all. Like, she has a mental health issue and he's showing up for her. Nothing about what she did was selfish and irresponsible. She can't process or handle what's happening to her right now and she needs support. So, and I feel like a lot of times in the black community, we look at mental health issues as secondary and it's not a real thing. Oh, you're depressed. Just get up, get your shit together. Just stop being sad. And that's not what it is at all. It's really a clinical problem. And I think we need to take that stigma away from it. Now, could the person he dealt with, you know, angry dude online, been selfish and irresponsible? Absolutely. Like, yeah, happens all the time. But we shouldn't conflate those two issues and make them one and, and wrap up somebody having a cry for help because they're suffering into her being selfish and irresponsible and Derek having to pick up the slack and put her back together. That's not what that is. That's just being a human being. That's being in relationships. That's being, you're not going to always be a hundred percent and you need to be there for other people. You need to show up and be supportive. So I really hope that people take more away from that than she was just being selfish and irresponsible and ran away from her husband and her kid. That's not what that was. Uh, she's nearing a breakdown and she that's how she coped with it. So I feel like we should definitely be more empathetic about people's situations and what they're going through. And I totally wish that was a whole entire episode um, where they were looking for her and had like, you know, crazy hijinks and the shit was funny. I'm not going to lie. That bus that bus episode, that bus little part of that episode was fucking hilarious. And Kelly pushed. Like, what I'm, what you going to do? I'm going to push the button. What's going to happen? Because I, I fucking love Kelly. Kelly Kelly is, like, my favorite. 
character on Insecure. But back to like the Lawrence Condola Issa situation. It's a lot because I feel like every time Lawrence and Issa are somewhere great, there is a fucking monkey wrench thrown in. And I saw like weeks ago online, people was like, Condola keep calling him because she's pregnant. She's pregnant. And I was like, what? That's crazy. Oh, my God. But here it is. They were right. She's very, very pregnant. And I think it's just a very, it's a very uh, touchy subject because they aren't together. And he was moving on with Issa. And then Issa and Condola were friends. So it's just a real whole messy triangle. And I'm interested to see how it plays out. Like, will he still go to San Francisco? Uh, is, would him and Issa still work out? How how involved he's going to be with Condola. Like, it's, it's, very, it's very touchy. So, it's like, I can't wait to see season five. I hope it's not going to be, like, another two years. Um, because that's, that's too long to wait to see how this going to work out. Uh, see how this all going to play out. And then um, we're going to need some new content. Because I don't think we're ever getting off of this Rona punishment. Like, that's, like, the latest news in that. I don't... So, like, all these states are having... Um, getting locked back down again and I'm like what the fuck I mean I I saw this coming because honestly motherfuckers don't listen y'all don't listen and I'm really concerned about your level of comprehension uh Rona has done nothing it just made me realize that a lot of y'all are stupid and reckless and highly selfish because you go out and you see people and then people are looking at you crazy because you're the one with the mask on. Like, what? Are we not doing this anymore? Are we Are we not? So it's several states, a lot of them who were on the, the wave of opening up and you're not going to keep our economy down are like surging again in new cases. And it's a lot of places that are like, you have to lock back down. I think North Carolina is one. Definitely fucking Arizona. Arizona has like maxed out their hospital beds again. Um, Texas is popping. Georgia, I don't really know. Georgia's probably fudging the numbers because that's just Georgia. Georgia's on their own shit. Georgia and Florida, like they've always been kind of lawless states to me. Like they're their own entities. They don't, you know, they're not with the rest of us. But I just never think that we're getting off punishment. And it's a little frustrating because with the fact that we just really quarantined for and we just going to be back here again. I don't know. Maybe I'm just comfortable with just chilling in the house now. Uh, I thought that when the world opened back up that I would be rushing to go out and wanted to not make meals or eat in my own house. But I'm really not. It's it's still not safe out here. So on that note, I, I hope you guys are staying safe. I hope you guys are, you know, being taking the correct level of precaution. I'm not saying, you know, be a hermit, isolate yourself, never come out. But for me, I'm just being cautious. Uh, I'm not just out here with everybody doing everything or I, I don't need to be at the gym. I can walk around the fucking block. Uh, and then it just seems like to be honestly for me to be comfortable and be out. I'm not going to be comfortable if I'm out. I'm not going to be relaxed because I'm out somewhere and people aren't wearing masks. If you go to a restaurant on the inside, you can't keep a mask on while you're eating. That don't make any fucking sense. So, I mean, I don't know. You guys have fun. Report back. 
I'll see how it goes. And I'm just still, I'm still chilling in the house and be in the backyard. And you guys can have fun. I, I wish you all well. But I'm going to keep myself from self-inflicted punishment. And I, I just hope you figure out what you want to do and calculate the risk. And, that, and that's all I'm, I think I want to talk about, the Rona, because I'm really, really tired. I'm tired of the Rona. I'm tired of police brutality. I'm just fucking tired. I, I am. I am very tired. And I've been struggling to, like, try to do the podcast and be upbeat and uh, provide some jokes and some laughter. But it's hard. It's like I'm grasping and I'm pulling at straws here. So... It's been very hard, but I think it's important, especially with everything that's going on, to just just stay dialed in a little bit. And I need to stay off the Internet arguing with people who are stupid. I've spent too much time over the weekend doing that. And so I'm, I'm, my, my lesson, my glow up lesson is don't read the fucking comments, Andrea. Uh, that's what I have I've, to tell. That's my goal for this week. That should be your goal, too. Don't read the fucking comments. All right. So until next time, peace, love, and light.